you cruising through life not always knowing what direction you were headed? Let Live On Purpose with Dr. Paul Jenkins be your guide. Live On Purpose will give you insights into your life and show you how you can become the driver and captain of it. No more aimless wandering. By learning the principles that govern happiness and wealth, you will be able to make personal progress that you have only dreamed possible. And now, here's your host, the shrink who expands your life, Dr. Paul. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. And I look forward to every opportunity that I have to come here to the Live on Purpose studios to spend about an hour or so just having some fun. And I'm hoping that it creates value for you. I've received some some fantastic feedback and emails from some of you. Thank you so much. And thank you for sharing this with your friends and associates and other people who you want to help live on purpose. Remember, that's our purpose here, is to give you all of the resources and tools and everything that you need to go out and do just that, to live on purpose. That's that's the purpose of the podcast. And here we are again for another exciting episode. I am thrilled today to have my good friend and associate and colleague, Dr. John Skidmore, here in studio with me today. Say hello, John. Hey, Paul, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm just as excited as you are. I'm looking forward to uh, what we get to do today. I'm not sure if you are. I am. Because I am pretty darn excited. (laughs) (laughs) And I just have fun. You know, I I commented last week I had Kevin Whittington on my show. I don't know if you know him, but uh, I I commented to him, if you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. I agree with you. And there are so many wonderful opportunities in life. Why, Why would you ever spend your time and effort and resources focusing on the things that you hate. Because you get stuck. Yeah, that's true. You know, I've got an episode coming up. I won't, I won't reveal too much about what's going to happen on this upcoming episode, but uh, here's a little preview. The title of the episode is Get Off the Dead Horse. Makes sense. <laughs> Stay tuned. That's going to be coming up. We've got some exciting things. But today, Dr. John Skidmore here in the Live On Purpose studios. Let me give you a little background, you listeners, for who this man is, why I know him, and why I'm so excited to have him on my show today. John and I have shared a common, what shall we say, life experience. Sure. Yeah, something like that. We got to know each other, what about, uh, it's been about 15 years ago, yep, hasn't it? about 15 it? years ago. About 15. Can you, can you believe... How time accelerates as you get older. It goes by at light speed, boy. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? 15 years ago. Pretty soon it'll be 30. About 15 <laughs> years ago. And at the time, I was a clinical psychology student at Brigham Young University. I was going through my PhD program. And John, you were a newly, I think, I think not I, quite licensed at the time that I, I was met doing you. my postdoc. I just You're finished doing, my doctoral degree and was doing my year of training, collecting right. those hours to get my license. Now you did your doctoral training at the at the. Hang on, I, <laughs> isn't it funny how your brain just freezes up every once in a while? School of Professional Psychology in Chicago. Chicago. I was blocking on the city. Chicago School of Professional Psychology is right. where you received your PsyD degree. Mm-hmm. And then you went to a place called Preferred Family Clinic. Right. 
which is where I was doing a pre-doctoral internship as part of my PhD training program at Brigham Young University. Right. That's where you and I first met, and it was about 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And we both went through this, this incredible experience of completing a doctoral degree, obtaining licensure from the state in, in the practice of psychology, and just putting together how on earth we were going to go about creating value for people in this world. Absolutely. And you know more now than you did then, don't you? You know, I know a whole lot more now than I, do, than I did then. Well, that's a good sign. A very good what, sign. That is a really good sign. But as, as I had this experience with you, John, I, one of the things that I learned early on is that you and I not only shared that experience in you know, creating some kind of a, a doctoral degree that we could go leverage in the world somehow, but also the way that we looked at life and how people tick and, and what it is that's important. We, just, we shared a lot of experiences that helped me to see that you see things in a very similar way. Mm -hmm. And we've developed very different practices. Uh, from what I know, and we've had, we've had lunch a couple of times recently, and we've kind of kept in touch with each other through the years, even though we don't work in the same facility anymore. Uh, but we've kind of tracked each other in our professional development. And, and you've taken an interesting course in, in your career as you have become and created from yourself a performance coach. Yes. And might I say a high-performance coach? Thank you. Is that okay? Absolutely. I like that. You know, I, as I was walking in today, out in the parking lot, there are several high-performance vehicles. Why not be a high-performance coach? Why not? So there you go. We've just dubbed you the high-performance coach. Ooh, okay. I like that. <laughs> and what that means is that you help people who are performing in one way or another. And really, you know, before the show, we're talking about who isn't. Right. Aren't we all performing? Your life is a performance in a way. But you have focused primarily with people who are, who are doing what we would traditionally refer to as, as performance. So, so musical professionals or... Well, I can back off and let you describe it. You'll do a better job. Could you just give our listeners an overview of what that means to be a performance coach? I've had a marvelous experience for the last <clears throat> oh, 16 years teaching a class at Brigham Young University on the psychology of music performance, where I'm working with brilliant young musicians and really helping them look at the psychological aspects of performing. This has been a passion of mine for a long time. I'm a musician, a singer myself. And mm -hmm. this passion extended, like, for example, my doctoral dissertation was on the peak performance with musicians. So this is something I've been developing along with my clinical work. And it's just time to move my performance coaching into a whole new world. The idea is that when we have the right tools and skills, it's not just about talent. It's about taking our talent and combining them with the tools and skills. And what I found, not only with young performing artists, but also in so many areas and so many professions, and often just in life in general, is that there's a huge gap. There's an expectation in terms of what's expected. We want to have a certain outcome. And we go through all kinds of training, whether it's to become an attorney or run a business or whatever it may be, but there's a certain set of skills that really help a person bridge that gap. So... You can learn the skills, mm. cross over that gap, and then you're in line with your expectations. You're moving in the direction you want to be going. For example, so many young musicians will tell you the story in one version of another of, I did it so well in the practice room. What mm -hmm. happened on stage? I got out there where I was supposed to produce it, and it didn't show up. 
How come? Mm-hmm. And so that's what I've been developing for the last 15 years is a series of interventions and strategies to really help take what you know and learn and produce it when it really counts, where you want it, mm-hmm. when you need it. So I've heard people talk about performance anxiety, for example. Yes. This is the kind of thing that you help these performers to, to not only un- understand but to overcome in a way that allows them to bring out the best skills and talents and abilities that they're capable of. Absolutely. And bring that to the performance and not just the practice all. You know, it's interesting. Performance anxiety gets a real bad rap. In a sense, mm. a lot of people would look at performance anxiety as if that is the culprit. That is the problem. I have performance anxiety. That's why anxiety. I freeze up or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But very rarely do they get any training or understanding of what that anxiety process is about, let alone any interventions besides just take a deep breath. Like that's mm-hmm. supposed to cure everything. And in, usually in those situations, it doesn't. Though it does have some validity to it. Mm-hmm. And it's just one piece of a great performance. Learning to manage mm-hmm. how you're activated and the level of activation is part of a great performance. Mm-hmm. And most students, most people don't get much training in that at all. They either can mm-hmm. make the grade or they don't. Mm-hmm. So you bring this, this missing piece. Absolutely. And that's why, and, and there have been some phenomenal groups who have found you and your skills and your interventions to be just crucial to what it is they're doing. You were sharing with me some of the people that you've worked with, the... Uh, the cadets? I've had a wonderful experience this spring to work with a, an elite drum and bugle corps, about 120 mm. young people, um, very talented, very dedicated musicians. And it was just a blast to spend four days and become mm-hmm. part of their organization and to contribute some ideas and skills and knowledge that help them raise their performance level where they want to go. Which was already pretty high. It's an elite group. It's an amazing group. And it was really mm-hmm. fun to be able to just be there on site and have people, have different kids come up and just talk to me during a break and say, what about this? What's going brain, on with this? Uh-huh. And, and it's just really rewarding to have a young student come up and say, you know, I didn't think I was good enough to be in the cadets. Mm-hmm. And here I am. And there I was in a practice just feeling like I was messing it up completely. And then I remembered what you were talking about. I remember what you taught us and realized, you know what? I am here. I can do this. And they started to practice some of the mm-hmm. strategies I've taught them. And they got what they needed to, and suddenly they're all lit up like, you know, I do belong here. I can make this work. I can contribute, and it's really working well. And there was uh, something about the Yamaha? Yamaha Music Corporation has a program for young performing artists. So if any of you have great, Mm. talented, young performing artists, children or people that you know in your neighborhood, uh, check out their Young Performing Artist Competition. These are elite young musicians from across the country, They audition, and they're invited out to a weekend of clinics and coaching. And I've had the opportunity of working with these Olympic-level musicians, and that has just been really a delightful experience. Mm. So Olympic-level, that's like an amateur level, but at the highest of that level. Good way to describe it. These are the people who are just emerging onto the scene of performing artists and and really the, the artists of the future. Very much so, and it's just delightful to be able to work with them and to give them some tools that are going to make a difference for them. Mm, fantastic. Got a great story, if you got a second. I think we've got about a minute or so Okay, it'll take about a minute. Go ahead. I was coaching one musician who just described a lot of stage fright, and we were backstage in the tech rehearsal, and I just had him say, okay, just pretend for a moment your marimba is out there on stage. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. He got that image in his mind. Okay, you're ready to go on. What are you thinking? And he goes, hmm, you're not going to beat me. Oh. And I thought about that for a moment. He's and competing. he had to explain to me that he had an adversarial relationship with his marimba. He's competing with his instrument. He was competing with his instrument. And he'd never really considered that his instrument was a part of himself, part of his self-expression, and he is to express himself in play. He'd never considered mm-hmm. that he could play with his marimba, that it was a, now a partner in his play. That's how we describe what you do with an instrument. Exactly. You play it. Yeah. Wow, I hadn't thought about that. Joe. Well, I've talked to people who don't want to play with Chopin. They've, they're phobic of Chopin. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this young musician was so excited when he went out there that night. He played. He played his heart out. When he finished, he was so excited that he spontaneously threw his mallets into the audience. He had never done that before. <laughs> he played. Wow, how gratifying. Was that? Very exciting. That is great. After the break, John, I'd like you to share some of those tools with us. Got it. I think that would be fantastic. Hang with us. We'll be right back. This is Ross Kellen Moore of Creation Tree Coaching, and I've got two questions for you. Who are you? What do you want? You see, I've figured out that you and I can absolutely create anything that we really want. But to do that, we've got to be absolutely clear on who we really are and what we really want. So what do you want? More financial abundance? More fulfilling relationships? A higher level of health and fitness? How about finding your work that allows you to create massive value for others in the way that you love most? Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching. We are the world's premier provider of abundance, education, and resources. We are here to help you create the life you really love. Begin now at creationtreecoaching.com. Check out our live teleseminar classes and podcasts. Get to know our coaches and schedule a coaching session. Explore training for your business and employees. Welcome to Creation Tree Coaching and a whole new world that you create on purpose. If you have a pile of books you want to read, growing faster than the pile of books you have read, Abundant Reading Systems course can help you. You'll learn a skill that allows you to read much more rapidly, and you can retain more of what you read. I was actually quite surprised at my original benchmark this morning. To be able to do as well as I did, I almost tripled my benchmarks uh, and increased my comprehension, so I feel good about what I learned. Abundant Reading Systems brings you an all-new single-day speed reading workshop, where you'll learn the principles behind effective reading and double Double your current reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm leaving feeling empowered. Register now for this event by calling 435-669-1206. That's 669-1206. Abundant Reading Systems. Reading at the speed of imagination. 669-1206. When you dream, dream big, as big as the ocean. Because when you dream, it might come true. Welcome back. Thank you. We're having a lot of fun, aren't we? This is good. (laughs) Sometimes I wonder if we should just air all of the discussion that goes on between, you know, during the commercial breaks. That could be very valuable. Some good stuff happens. You know, I've thought about a live video feed, too. That'd be a little scary. Ah, we could handle it. Then we'd have to wear ties and stuff. 
Well, you wear the tie. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, we've got some... We're on to something here. You have discovered some things that are powerful to these musicians, these performers, these artists, mm -hmm. that helps them to overcome some barriers in their life. And I was thinking, I believe that principles govern. Mm -hmm. And that's something that you and I have talked about before, too. And one reason that we have a friendship is because we both believe that. What that means to me also is that the principles that you've discovered that apply to, to music performance or artistic performance uh, should also apply in a lot of other ways, too. You know, as I teach this 15-week class at BYU, students are constantly, wow, I used this for my chemistry test. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm using this in my relationships. This is making my life better. And so I couldn't agree with you more that these tools, mm -hmm. these principles apply in whatever performance situation you want to apply them in. A few weeks ago, you were describing to me some of this process. Mm -hmm. And you shared with me, I think it was five phases Right. Of, and I think we're, we're calling today's show Preparing for Peak Performance. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's the phases of preparation for peak performance. Well, it's not just a phase of preparation. Let me go through these five phases or five because stages. Because it includes the actual performance too, right? And it even include, includes after the performance. And you'll see how important that okay. is as well. Take it away. Share with us the process. When you think of any kind of performance situation, it really starts with a foundation. I like to refer to this as stage one. Okay. The foundation includes your goal or intention. Okay, what's going to be the performance? Is it going to be in real estate? Is it going to be a better, becoming a better parent? Is it going to be trying to get a raise? Is it going to be uh, singing a solo? Mm -hmm. You have to have a clearly identified intention. As this, part, this includes the why. Yes. Doesn't, why are you doing this? Actually, this is more of the what. The what. It starts okay, with the gotcha. what you're going to be doing. Then you also want to include the why. What's your motivation for this? Why are you doing this? I think this is so important to understand. A student asked me once for some coaching on her senior recital, and she was saying, I'm not making this work. It's not happening for me. How come? When I asked her to explain stage one, and stage one is a great place to address anything that has problems with motivation. So stage one, I said, so what's your goal or intention? Do a senior recital. Why are you doing this? They're making me. <laughs> well, wow, that's inspiring. Very inspiring. <laughs> Oftentimes, Not. yeah, in the workshops I do, I'll have people do different performance kinds of things. And people will say, you know, I'll ask them, why are you doing this? And they're looking at me going like, well, you're asking me to. Well, that doesn't inspire me. Again, trying to find a motivation that will inspire you. It was really clear this young student wanted to be a great music teacher. Mm -hmm. That's what inspired her. As we started to mm -hmm. talk about her passion for becoming a great teacher, her whole senior recital took on a different meaning. It was now a tool to advance her ability to teach effectively. To what she really wanted. To what she really wanted. And then we were able to look at stage one and say, okay, as you take this on, you're going to do a senior recital to help advance your career and you know, help you teach students with passion. What's the attitude you want to bring to this? What way of being is going to bring that out of you and into this studio or to your students? And she took on the words excited. I like to refer to these as trigger words. She took on the word excited, confident, and expressive. Wow. So she took those three words as part of the foundation. So once this person knows what their intention is, their motivation that inspires them, 
and the attitude they want to bring to it, they now have a completely different foundation to move forward from, which takes you into stage two. Stage two is obviously preparation. You've got to know the nuts and bolts. You've got to know the parts and pieces. You've got to have the skills mastered at a level to perform. There's no question about that. But in so many things, people spend hours and hours and hours developing, let's say, the memorization or the ability to play a particular piece or to prepare for a business presentation, like a quarterly report kind of thing. They'll spend a lot of time doing that, but this is where they really lack some coaching in regards to specific performance skills. For example, activation management. See, it's Mm. not just a question of being too excited or having stage fright. It's a question of having a level of activation physiologically that's going to allow you to be and do your best. Mm. For example, a gymnast on a balance beam requires a very different level of activation than a wrestler going out on the mat. Okay. Uh, Someone who's going to be ice skating, for example, requires a different level of activation than someone who's going to be playing football for four hours. And that level of activation, I'm remembering some things that I learned back in graduate school Mm -hmm. about sort of an optimal level of of arousal or activation. Maybe that's a, a synonymous word for this. I believe it is. Where if if you're too detached from it or, or uh, well, if you take it to an extreme, if you're asleep, right, you're not connected at all. I had a teacher one time say, so you teach my, you know, you'd teach my students about uh, relaxation training? And I was all excited. Oh, yeah, I'd teach them about that. Well, I wouldn't want you to work for them, work with them. Well, why? Well, I don't want them to be relaxed when they go mm-hmm. out there. Well, you're really looking for a window. See, if you go out of the window on the high activation side, fine motor control, memory, Mm -hmm. distractibility, uh, physiological sensations start to become part of what you're experiencing. But if you're out of the Mm -hmm. window on the low side, there's lack of motivation, lack of energy, lack of intensity that you want to have. And you really need Mm -hmm. the skills to be able to bring up your intensity when it's low and cap it and bring it down if it's too high so you can find that window what will work for you? And that's where your peak performance will be. Absolutely. If you get into that zone, so to speak, you don't want to be too wired up. Exactly. But on the other hand, you don't want to be too out of it either. And it takes a lot of experience and awareness to learn how to manage that. And so, when, mm-hmm. for example, in my class, I have them do 50 relaxation sessions as part of the course assignments. Oh, okay. They, by the end of the semester, they know how to manage their activation. It's just to put them into intentional control exactly. of this process that they're going to go through naturally, take control of it. In fact, I so like live to live on, on purpose sort of thing. Exactly. And with <laughs> that, I like to play off the word activation and help them recognize they're not stressed, they're activated. See, stress is an interpretation of what activation is all about. Mm-hmm. That's the way you're, that's the spin you're putting. On exactly. That. You're activated. And it's been amazing to have stu- performers go into a situation and go, oh, I'm activated, so what? Mm-hmm. Well, and they'll do something different with it at that point. Exactly. It's not something that's scary, bad, threatening, oh, no, I'm getting stressed. It's I'm activated. I know what to do and mm-hmm. how to manage this. You know a great example of that? You go on a roller coaster. Uh-huh. Okay? You have some very predictable feelings when you go on a roller coaster. Right. And most people would describe that as being excitement or thrills Mm -hmm. okay you can get exactly the same physiological feeling driving your car off of a cliff you could 
but you interpret it much differently. It has a whole different sense of danger to it. That's right. This is not something I'm going to enjoy. So you're not going to call that excitement. No. Or a thrill. You're going to call it terror. Exactly. And unfortunately, so many people look at the performances in their life. I mean, as you talk with people, you know lots of people who are saying, I would like to be over here. I want to be able to do this in this part of my life. I mm-hmm. want to live my life on purpose and go in these kind of directions. But they have lots of reasons why they don't. Oh, yeah. Lots of reasons. Stories. Lots of stories. Mm-hmm. You know, and so what I really like to focus on in, in stage two is not only do they want to develop all the skills that are related to their craft, whatever they got to express themselves, the knowledge, the ability, the skills, but they've got to learn how to manage their activation. And I like to call it story management or attitude management. You know, mm-hmm. it, it's mm-hmm. really a question of can they manage how they're being along with this? See, when they get physiologically activated and they have a story that shows up for them, they're going to have an attitude that will take them out of their performance. Mm-hmm. I worked with this young soccer player, for example. If he made a mistake on the field, he would get so mad, so emotionally activated, mm-hmm. that he would walk off the field and sit down on the bench. Oh. He would t- literally take himself out of the game. Out of the game. What a great analogy. Yeah. I mean, he was now out of the game. And it wasn't until he calmed down enough that he would go tell his coach, I'm ready to go back in, and the coach would put him in. Mm-hmm. Now, as I began to coach him, I helped him become aware of, one, he was getting physiologically activated, and two, he was not managing his attitude at all. See, in stage one, mm-hmm. I would have a soccer player say, when you're out there on the field, how do you want to play? Confidently, aggressively, intentionally, okay, or some words like that. Mm-hmm. Well, his attitude shifted away from that. And suddenly he was now stressed, angry, mad, frustrated. And consequently, he was literally out of the game. So as you look at stage mm-hmm. two, you want to develop the skills to manage activation, attitude, and the story that you're telling yourself around this. Because mm-hmm. stuff's going to happen. I like to play off the word stuff. I think stuff is a very important psychological term. I love it. And yeah. when you look at stuff, you've got to recognize there's stuff that we're aware of and we understand. And there's stuff... I call this the three domains of stuff. And there's stuff that we are aware of, but we don't understand. We know Mm -hmm. we don't understand it. Okay, my car's not running. It's not working. I don't understand why, but it's not working. I Mm -hmm. get that. And there's stuff that we are not aware of how it impacts us or influences us. And just not even aware of it. We are not aware at all. It'd be like Mm -hmm. driving your car with a flat tire and not even knowing or being aware that it's flat. But -hmm. it would impact what you could do with your car. You wouldn't see it, you wouldn't feel it, you wouldn't hear it. Mm-hmm. I have a great, real quick story about a young lady. I took a group of students to a climbing gym. And mm-hmm. I like to do experiential kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I told the whole group this was a metaphor for how they perform. Well, in the process of the evening, I see a young student just standing there looking at the wall going, oh, okay, it had a rather forlorn look on her face. Well, when I went up and asked her, I said, so uh, are you going to climb that wall? No, I'm too short was her response. She's too short. Too short. Interesting. Very interesting. My first response was, where has being too short impacted you as a performing artist? She just rattled off, just place, incident, situation, bam, 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 bam. Had a whole storybook. A whole storybook. And then I said, where'd you get the idea you were too short? She points to the wall and goes, right there. You have to be five feet, two inches tall to climb that route. And she was pointing Mm. to a difficulty designation. That's right. But in her world of her story, her history, her activation, what happened, 
that meaning was a height requirement. Disneyland, I'm sure, was not the happiest place on earth for her as a little girl. <laughs> Probably not. But if she broke through that, she had no problem, problem climbing that wall. Awesome. I think we've got some more phases to cover once we come back. Yes, we do. Stay with us. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink who expands your life. I'm so glad that you've joined me for the Live on Purpose podcast. Please visit my website, drpaul.org. There you can subscribe to my weekly e-zine, Empower. Browse the events page to get connected with what's coming up or pick up some CDs or other great products. I also want to point you toward our sponsors, creationtreecoaching.com and producerretreats.com. Relishing a week with your sweetheart in paradise. Spending that same week with other like-minded couples who live in abundance. Increasing your knowledge through powerful seminars geared toward helping you take your marriage to a new level. This is only a fraction of the value waiting for you on this year's Marital Magic Couples Cruise. Producer Retreats has teamed up with Dr. Paul and Craig Rollo to set the theme for this year's cruise as a more perfect union. Join us on January 26, 2008, as we visit the beautiful Eastern Caribbean Islands aboard Royal Caribbean's Freedom of the Seas. Call 1-800-591-2432 to select your package and book your spot. You can get more details at ProducerRetreats.com. Limited cabins are available for this event, so book today by calling 1-800-591-2432. We'll see you on board. If you live in the Utah County area, and if you like what you hear on this program, then this opportunity is for you. I am hosting a weekly mastermind group called Paradigm Insurance every Wednesday from 4 to 5.30 at my office. Call Eric at 801-221-0223 for more details. We prefer an abundant atmosphere, so please wipe your mind before entering. That's 801-221-0223. So, John, we've got the first two. Almost, we've almost finished the second stage. Well, there's more to say, I there guess. There is. There's one very, very important part about stage two. Well, we better not leave that out. In fact, you can't leave it out. Okay, let's no matter it. what your performance situation is, there will come a point in time when you can prepare no more. Oh, that is for sure. You can just do no more preparation in mm -hmm. regards to this. Too many performers, no matter what they're performing, walk out on stage, so to speak, with an attitude of, I wish I had two more days. I wish I had 15 mm -hmm. more minutes. Well, is that a mindset that's in line with being confident, powerful, and creative? No. You shared with me a story about a guy who went in and rehearsed during the intermission. Right. See, he never... Wow, that's he, where this fits, isn't he it? He never declared his preparation complete. He was working on a senior recital... During the intermission of his senior recital, he went to a practice room to rework some fingerings. See, he did not let his mind shift out of preparation mode. In that space, you analyze, you critique, you evaluate, you adjust, you experiment. 
mm-hmm. you basically call this practicing. Yeah. One of the things I have people do to mark the transition from two to three is simply say out loud, my preparation is complete. Just actually say it. Say Declare it, it. Declare it. My preparation is complete. Which psychologically flips a switch. Absolutely. Because now I'm moving on. And even if, it, and this is also true, John, you can always do more. Yes. But at some point, you have to call it complete and move on to the next stage. I had a student raise her hand and say, well, how can you call it complete when you know there's holes in it? Mm-hmm. Well, I said, well, call it complete anyway. Call it complete with a hole in it. Then somebody else raised their hand and goes, you mean like a donut? It's complete with a hole in it. <laughs> and we all laughed. It's the donut. It's the donut effect. It's complete with a hole in it. Right. By declaring it complete, it allows you to shift your attention out of the specifics of what you're going to be doing into the attitude and physical and mental preparation to present, to perform. Now, stage three is a very important stage which most performers skip. If you think of the childhood game starting adage, ready? Well, Mm -hmm. most people start with a ready, not really going anyway kind of attitude. Mm -hmm. Rather than a ready, yes, set. Yes, go right Mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So when you start to look at this idea of ready, set, go, this is what we want to create. So stage one is the foundation. You want to carry that foundation, especially in attitude, through all your preparation. How many people get discouraged when they're learning the nuts and bolts and the pieces and the parts of what they're doing? Mm -hmm. They step out of that attitude. They're not managing the attitude. You declare your preparation complete. You go to stage three. This is whatever you've got to do to close all the doors, the dimensions of your life, and open the door to your performance. That's what the goal is. So when you step out there, you are free to play. Mm. And one of the simplest tools I teach performers is to be aware of rituals and to understand the difference between a ritual and a performance routine, a pre-performance routine. A ritual gives some kind of magical power. There was a drum major, I love this story, who gave a magical power to his gloves. See, if his gloves were clean, he could catch the baton at the finale. But if they were dirty, he would drop them. Mm. He was en route to a competition in California. He's on the bus. He starts to panic. He'd forgotten to wash his gloves. He tried to wash his gloves in the sink of a gas station. Couldn't get them clean enough. And at the finale, he dropped the baton. (laughs) That's a performance ritual Mm -hmm. that has no relevance in the situation. Mm -hmm. One of the pre-performance routines that I like people to do right before they perform is to stand in a very balanced, centered posture. So they really have a sense of connection from head to toe to the ground that they can tell they're physiologically balanced. Then just breathe in very slowly and repeat those trigger words. Confident, excited, expressive. One of my favorite trigger words was the word sparkling. That's how this one person described the attitude they wanted to bring to their performance. Sparkling. Mm -hmm. So just to stand and breathe those trigger words, and then you step into stage four. So how would you, what would be the capture phrase for stage three? What do you call it? Really, it's pre-performance preparation or getting set. It's getting mentally set. So on ready, set, go, it's set. Yes, it's set. See, gotcha. ready is stage one and two. Set is stage three. And go is stage four. And you it's think- when you, you've declared your preparation complete. It's time now to close the door to that. And to open the door to your performance. And so stage three is really that space in between those two. Exactly. And this is the space where most performers psych themselves out. The viola player you're referring mm. to that went into the, uh, 
practice room during intermission. See, he didn't do that. He never declared his preparation complete, and he did not allow his mind to bring him fully and present to the performance situation. Mm-hmm. He was still in stage two. This is also where you, where you get dressed, yes, so to speak. Every performance situation brings with it very specific demands, whether it's putting on a suit and tie or a tuxedo or a dress. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the kinds of things that you want to be able to have mastered as well. It's interesting, an oboe player worries about a reed. They have to make that reed. They have to find the right reed where a tuba player could drop theirs, and they wouldn't care. They could drop their mouthpiece, and they just mm-hmm. put a dent in the floor. That's all it would do. Right. Damages the floor it more than the mouthpiece. It damages the floor. It's not going to do anything but damage the floor. Ryan's chuckling because he's a tuba player. Okay, he knows about that. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, but again, the piccolo player has a whole lot more ease in getting their instrument to and from the car or to and from the bus than the tuba player does. Mm-hmm. And there's even been performing artists that have been injured hauling around their instruments. Mm-hmm. That's and right. so again, each instrument brings with its own demands that you've got to learn how to meet and master. So again, mm-hmm. that's just part of it that you can go play with. Stage mm-hmm. four is like stepping into a sandbox. So you want this to be the experience of the child running from the car full speed into the playground so they can go play. The challenge of a great performance is to do the preparation both mentally and physically so when you are in that sandbox, you can go play. If a child's digging to China in a sandbox, they're at the same time not thinking how stupid they look and how dumb they are and how they'll never get to China. They are digging to China. I remember digging to China. Yeah. Sure. If they're standing on some play equipment going to Mars, they're going to Mars. Mm -hmm. That's where they're going. They're in the experience of play. Now, sometimes some rude things happen. Johnny, time to go home. And it comes Ah. in like a lightning bolt, and there goes the trip to Mars. Come in for dinner. Come in for dinner. Mm -hmm. Well, there's things that can distract performers during that performance. And one of the tools that I really get excited about is attention training and attention focus and control. Helping people understand the, the principles behind attention focus and control and how to manage that. So what do you do with distractions? And how do you work with this in such a way that you can bring your attention where you want it? It's a type of mental toughness training. And this is really a lot of fun to work with. That's a whole other discussion in and of itself. But it's really about bringing your attitude, your thought processes, your attention focus to where you want it. Essentially, Mm -hmm. if our attention shifts to any type of victory or any type of defeat while we're performing, we are in trouble. In 2006, Mm -hmm. I went to Italy to see the Olympics. I got to see some great uh, athletes perform. I missed this particular event, but I saw it on TV, and it was certainly fun to be there. There was a young snowboarder, a U.S. snowboarder named Lindsay Jacobellis. She was 100 meters from the gold medal. She was going over a jump. I remember that. And while she hit that jump, her attention shifted to victory, and she celebrated, and she did a nice little victory flare. And when she hit the snow, she crashed and burned right there. Lost her gold. That's fast. Mm -hmm. Her attention shifted out of the doing, out of the being with it, out of making it happen right now, into victory. Well, it cost her a gold. Now, a silver Mm -hmm. a silver medal is nothing to laugh at. But she had the goal, and that's the reason why she lost it. But too often, performers shift into defeat of some sort. They're mm-hmm. no longer, in a sense, we've lost the game. It's not over till it's over. Mm-hmm. Well, 
The challenge is to keep your attention focused in the play. What's going on right now? And managing that with ease, managing that with confidence, with excitement, taking care of whatever shows up there from that standpoint. Mm-hmm. I the, had a, th- a thought about this, yes. John, because sometimes as I'm coaching people, I, I help them to find a way to detach themselves from the outcome. Right. Just be in the game and detach yourself from the outcome, win or lose. Stay in the game. You know, we are so committed to many things, but with that commitment often comes a huge attachment. And as that attachment shows up, so usually our ego does as well, how we want to be seen, how we want to do what we expect, those kinds of things. And it's really powerful to help people recognize they can be committed to something without being attached to it. Mm-hmm. In a sense, That's it right. doesn't have to show up exactly as you want it to be a success. Or however mm-hmm. it shows up, you'll manage it with confidence, with ease. You'll take on those attitude management strategies so you can really move yourself forward with it, which is not easy to do sometimes. We've all experienced different defeats, mm-hmm. different breakdowns, different problems. And I think that's one of the things I really like about my clinical training is that that's really about the world of breakdown, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's really about the world of things are not working. Mm-hmm. Well, that's so right. we've been trained and skilled to deal with that. And it's great to use those same tools and abilities to say, okay, things aren't working, or you know, wh- whatever level they are, how do we move things forward? And that's one of the distinctions I like, make, like to make between coaching and my clinical practice. Mm-hmm. So let me try and wrap up here these five stages. We've done our thing. Your performance is going to go exactly how it's going to go. And I truly believe that every time we perform, we give the best performance we can. In a sense, we always perform our best. Now, that doesn't mean we don't mm. perform all that we're capable of or at the level mm-hmm. that's possible. Right. But at that moment, could we have done any better? If we could have, we would have. That's true. That's so in true. a sense, at that moment, this is our best performance at this moment. And when and you can take apply that to your life, too. Huh? I know. <laughs> You're doing the best you can do. At this moment, I'm doing the best I can do. Now, most people do not look at it as a performance as a practice in performing. Mm. Oh, now, that's an interesting concept. That's useful. It's very useful. So if they could look at this performance as a practice in performing, they're going to get mm-hmm. better at performing, and they're going to learn more of what they that's need right. to to raise their level of performance. If they look at this performance as an all-or-nothing, I mean, do-or-die, success-failure, this is it. This is it. Mm-hmm. They're going to be in trouble because then our attention goes to the victory or and defeat. It's tempting to do that, isn't it? Especially oh. if it's something like, well, this is my scholarship examination. Exactly. And so again, right. if that's an attention-focused issue. If they shift mm-hmm. their attention to the scholarship and getting it or not, they're going to be out of their performance. They take themselves out of the game. Yeah, they're out of the game. We'll do a, another quick review of these five stages. We've only hit four of them. We, that's right. Yeah, we got number five. Oh, you're together. holding out on us. I'll get to number five. Okay, we'll be right back. In 1935, the federal government stopped the minting of pure silver dollars for general circulation. When the dollar coin returned back to circulation in 1971, it was the silverless Eisenhower dollar. This explains why your great-grandfather always had a silver coin in his pocket, and you never have. We're 180 degrees, and we have a pure silver coin with your name on it. 
If you're a young entrepreneur and feel like you're up for a challenge, contact us immediately at move180.com. That's move180.com. Click on the Contact Us link on the website and include the keyword silver in your information request. We will contact you shortly about how to retrieve your silver coin. While you're there, browse the website to learn more about us. Let's put some silver in your pocket at move180.com. If you have a pile of books you want to read growing faster than the pile of books you have read, Abundant Reading Systems course can help you. You'll learn a skill that allows you to read much more rapidly and you can retain more of what you read. I was actually quite surprised at my original benchmark this morning. To be able to do as well as I did, I almost tripled my benchmarks uh, and increased my comprehension, so I feel good about what I learned. Abundant Reading Systems brings you an all-new single-day speed reading workshop where you'll learn the principles behind effective reading and double your current reading speed, guaranteed. This belief started to grow inside of me that I thought, you know, I can really do this. I can read, you know, as fast as I let myself read. And uh, ended up doubling my time, my speed reading time, which was really good. At the end of the day, I feel like I'm leaving feeling empowered. Register now for this event by calling 435-669-1206. That's 669-1206. Abundant Reading Systems. Reading at the speed of imagination. 669-1206. I want to say something really quickly about that last ad about speed reading. You may have noticed that there was something conspicuously missing from that, and that's any specific event or date. And that's because we've got a few of them that are coming up. One of those has been calendared already. It's for Friday, November 16th, and that will be in the Salt Lake City area. We're still we're still working out the exact venue for that. But if you're interested in, in getting involved with that, call the number that was on that ad. And the, the prefix for it is 435. Make sure you get that point, part. And I can't remember the rest of the number right off. But you can rewind. It's a podcast. So go back and get it. Uh, you can also go to AbundantReadingSystems.com. And there will be information on the website about upcoming events and, and different places where we're taking this event. It's... Um, for me, it was a powerful experience, and that's why I've teamed up with Abundant Eating Systems to bring these events. So that was just a little clarification about that last ad. I think we have another phase or stage to cover here. You've given us four. Right. And I was doing a little mental calculation just before the break, and I thought, have I heard the fifth one yet? You haven't heard the fifth one. Not yet. The fifth one is so important. When you can recognize and accept that Regardless of the outcome, you did the best you were able to do at that point in time. Mm -hmm. You get to step back and say, you know what? What worked about my performance? Because there will be things Mm -hmm. that will always work about the performance. What didn't work about the performance? Okay, there will be some things that didn't work about the performance. What am I going to do next time? Too many performers do what I call a post-performance bashing. I was working mm. with a young volleyball player, and she was actually standing on the back row of the volleyball, on the back row, getting ready to receive the serve. And in her mind, she was thinking, don't hit it to me. Don't hit it to me. I don't want it. I can't pass. <laughs> well, that brought it right to her, didn't it? <laughs> it brought it right to her. <laughs> I can't pass. That was part of the story. 
I can't pass, which started to cause lots of anxiety, lots of hesitation, lots of difficulty for her on that court. After a post-performance debriefing and helping her recognize that, yes, she missed some passes, but she also got a bunch of passes right to the setter. We actually counted up the number of passes that she sent to the setter who was able to go to the outside hitter that scored points that wouldn't have happened otherwise. Mm -hmm. And she really shifted a story about being a bad passer into, I can pass. Mm -hmm. I watched her in a game one afternoon, stand up on that back row, and shout to the server, hit it to me, and get back into position. (laughs) Bring it on. Bring it on. Hit it to me. I'm ready for it. Now, that's the power of the post-performance debriefing. But I've also talked to so many people throughout their lives in different dimensions that have been the master at the post-performance bashing. And they have literally stopped performing. I had a pianist come to me with a master's degree in fine arts and piano performance. She had not performed in seven years following a single performance. Mm, Because of the bashing that she gave herself afterwards. Exactly. Why would I want to do that again? Exactly. Mm -hmm. So she was not willing to do that for seven years until she finally realized, I want to take this on again. Mm -hmm. It's amazing when we start to look at the performance skills. One of my favorite exercises in my class Mm -hmm. is to have students write the best and worst performance of their life and identify the three words that relate to the best performance and three words that relate to their worst performance. I was really stunned one day when I had students recount their worst performance. And a trombone, a violin, and a trumpet went into a closet never to return. Mm. Based on that one experience. In a sense, the flow, direction of where I was going changed now because of this. We've all had those kind of experiences. Mm. But without the tools and the skills, that became a course-changing experience rather than something to learn from and keep going forth. And so that's what I really Mm -hmm. like to do in terms of performance coaching is help people recognize where have they shifted directions, where have things gotten in their way, and where do they want to be going, what's keeping them from going there, Mm -hmm. and how to break through that. What are these stories that they're creating? Well, it's a lot like the 5.2 thing. They create a Mm -hmm. story around something, something happens, it means something to them, and they get to discover that. One of the fun things I'm developing right now is a program called Desert Breakthrough. I was going to ask you about that, John, because you mentioned it to me before. What what is that? It's going to be a three-day experiential program where we're going to end up in Moab, Utah, that's and the we're desert. Gonna, that's the desert, and we're going to be doing things like canyoneering, rappelling, rock climbing, mountain biking, hiking, and oh, in wow. between, in between all these activities is going to be workshops on meditation, workshops on understanding your life and your story, learning to use a sand tray. I'm going to have people sit down in the sand and draw a big circle called their world, what's in their world, mm-hmm. and how they want to create that. Just a form of expressing what what's going on inside. It's really of them. based on play therapy. When a mm-hmm. child goes into a playroom, it becomes a safe place for them to express themselves with whatever's there. And we're just going to take mm-hmm. a three-day play therapy experience out in the desert. But this is for adults. This is for adults. I'm doing this in conjunction with a licensed uh, outdoor adventure guide, and we're going to have some really great experiences. 
Wow. How can how can people get connected with that if they're interested? The best way to get connected with me, with me about that would be just to give me a call, 801-426-2685, 801-426-2685. Okay. We'll have a variety of different programs. I can do like a three-day adventure out in the desert, or we could spend an evening in a climbing gym. I mean, the same kind of experience can show up there in a much smaller format. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Um, I've got people that I've taken over the edge of cliffs, for example, just as part of the metaphor. Um, wow, this sounds dangerous to work with you. No, it's not. That's why I have a licensed guide with me. <laughs> right. I talked about managing risk uh-huh. on one of the shows that we did recently. And and just having some things in place to manage that risk allows you to reduce the level of of actual danger involved and still get what it is that you want. See, it's really interesting using that same metaphor, Paul. Um, I got into the canyoneering climbing scene when my son's youth group was going on a summer adventure in southern Utah. I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, sure. I didn't have any experience with this. So I went to a climbing gym. I got trained. I learned how to do all this stuff. And my son was with me. And after about three or four trips to the climbing gym, he goes, Dad, let's go find a real cliff. Of course, I couldn't tell him no. <laughs> right. So here I am a few days later at the top of a real cliff about 40 feet high sweating bullets. Was I activated to the max? Oh, yeah. Every story about cliffs being dangerous. What am I doing? I'm 45 years old, and I'm going to die at the bottom of this cliff. I was so activated that I couldn't go over the edge of that cliff. Mm -hmm. I had to pull myself off of that cliff. I had to totally deactivate. I had to reactivate my brain that said, okay, how am I going to manage this? I took care of a few adjustments as far as how to navigate the anchor point. And mm-hmm. I was eventually able to go down that cliff safely. Mm-hmm. Powerful life experience for you. Absolutely. And see, I really look at so many things in our lives as we come up to a certain edge that we feel like we don't have the tools and skills to go over it. For most mm-hmm. of my life, I've always told myself, no, I can't go over the edge of cliffs. I don't do cliffs. That's just something I don't do. In fact, I stay away from those. I avoid don't them. Don't get too close. They're dangerous. Right. And now... With the tools and skills that I have, I can simply say, with these tools, with these skills, with this support, yes, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I've had some amazing and absolutely incredible adventures mm-hmm. with that particular skill set. Are there still mm-hmm. some risks? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are they in a place where I feel like I can manage them? Yes, or I wouldn't be doing it. And it's because of the skills, the people, the tools, the resources that you bring into the picture I've shared with my listeners many times before, life is not a do-it-yourself activity. And if you were to try to do the cliff all by yourself... I'd run away. With no tools, no ropes, nothing like that, that would just be stupid. Yeah. Right? I wouldn't even get close. But look at the powerful experiences you've had as as you've brought those resources into your life, and you went over the cliff. Yeah. So it, this is what your desert experience is about. Exactly. The breakthrough. Yeah, we'll, be, we'll actually be rappelling off an arch. Oh, really? Yeah. One of those beautiful southern Utah arches. Yeah, about a 100-foot drop. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting activated just thinking about that, John. Yeah, that happens. So, but you've got some openings, some, available if peop, some availability if people want to get involved Yes, we do. That. This adventure is actually yeah. going to be starting next week, or the first one we're going to be doing, but we'll be doing some others. But the 24th? 5th and 6th of March. Of October. Oh, excuse me, of October. You're right. 
Okay. Actually, I just double-checked my date. Did this I get is my a podcast. Right? People could be listening to this in 2008 or something. Okay, well, I'll be doing stuff then. It's the 25th, 6th, and 27th. So it's a Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Of October of 2007. October, 2007. And, and they can reach you at 801-426-2685. Right. That's Dr. John Skidmore, performance coach, high-performance coach. I like that. And life is a performance. That's that's what I love about these experiences you're putting together because it generalizes to all of this stuff that you're facing. How many times do you encounter a cliff mm-hmm. in your life? Yes. And and you look at it and you think and it's not a real cliff, okay, but you know what I'm talking about. Where this thing, this this experience, this event in your life looms ahead of you and you're looking at it as if I can't do this. There's no way I can go there. Mm-hmm. But when you step back and say, yes, there are, you know, with the right foundation, with the right tools, skills, and training, with getting yourself ready so you actually are clear and set to go do this, mm-hmm. and with that sense of, I'm going to do it, that commitment, and just jump into mm-hmm. it, and then it's really learning to look at it, to learn from it, let go of whatever you got to, and go on. And to go, to watch yourself, be aware of these five stages. One of the things that I've had a lot of fun doing is actually doing a debriefing on each stage. Okay, let's look at what worked and didn't about stage one for you. Let's work about. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what didn't and what worked about stage two, stage mm-hmm. three, stage four, stage five. That's a great way to identify mm-hmm. a performance breakdown. Where was the actual cause? Yeah, which of these stages? Yeah. Let me see if I've captured them because okay. I'm I'm trying to learn as we're talking here. This okay. is fantastic. I've got the best job in the world. You've got a great one. So the first is the foundation, and this is where you establish your goal, the mm-hmm. what and the why yeah. of, of your performance, whatever And the that attitude is. you want to bring to it. The attitude, managing the intention, the motivation, the attitude, of, and this is the foundation. And so you want to bring that foundation of attitude through all the p- parts and pieces of it. That's right. Yeah. Paradigm is everything. Mm-hmm. And the way that you think will determine your experience in life, guaranteed. Absolutely. Second is the preparation stage. You know, without the preparation, the, the obvious is there. Mm-hmm. You don't perform as well as you could. And that moves you to, okay, you got ready. Now set. Mm-hmm. Get all your stuff together. Go, which is step four. Step into the sandbox. Go play. Yep. And five, debrief. Yep. Don't bash. Debrief. Debrief. Yeah. Dr. John Skidmore, thank you so much for joining us at Live On Purpose today. It's a pleasure, Paul. Anytime. I'm just I'm looking forward to uh, future opportunities of talking with you and working with your listeners. That'd be great. Let's do it again sometime. Let's do it. Go out there and live on purpose, everyone. Sounds like fun.